We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast, the College Edition. Uh, I'm John McKechnie, uh, being joined as always by uh, college football editor Mario Puig. Uh, we're heading into the last week of the season here. We got uh, rivalry week coming up. That's always difficult to say, but it's always an exciting week. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, how are you doing on the on this Wednesday here before Thanksgiving? A uh, bit checked out mentally. Uh, probably probably going to leave after this. But uh, yeah, we got we got rivalry week here. Had Maction yesterday, so um, just kind of trying to get some free food tomorrow. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely the plan for sure. So uh, looking forward to that. But before we get into uh, this week's slate of games, uh, I want to get into a little bit of what what happened last week. Um, you and I both watched the. Uh, the Oklahoma West Virginia game, and I think both of us kind of came away pretty impressed by w- uh, what Oklahoma was able to do. They really were able to just kind of put it on West Virginia in those adverse conditions. Didn't really slow their offense down at all. Um, so, what do you think of that one? 
Well, it was kind of a non-applicable in, in a broader sense type game just because, yeah, Oklahoma is better built to handle scenario like that, having those two running backs. And uh, obviously Justin uh, Justin Crawford, I think, for West Virginia had a huge game, but it was a lot of right. that was just garbage time after it was already well lost. So, um, But, yeah, Oklahoma obviously was the better team in any case, just probably not like twice as good. Yeah, I think, I think that's a fair assessment. Uh, Oklahoma State, you know, kind of stayed the course. They got another nice win under their belts so that they're looking primed as well. I think that that's a little bit reflected in their rankings. I don't I don't think that they're playing this week. Uh, a lot of the Big Ten or Big 12, I'm sorry, is off this week. I think they'll play Oklahoma right, uh, yeah. next week. Um, let's see. Uh, Colorado. I was particularly impressed by them, actually. Um, yeah. The, the way that they were able to kind of hang with uh, Washington State and then uh, finish the game uh, with with just kind of a physical brand of football that maybe people uh, don't typically associate with Colorado, Not but safely Fowl was able to run the ball well. Philip Lindsay uh, had a, a tremendous touchdown run towards the end to kind of seal it where he ran over probably like three or four Washington State guys. Uh, so that was really impressive to me. Yeah, Leofau Lufo, however it's pronounced, he he was quietly a, a very good player at Colorado the three years before this. Never really got his due, so I was glad to see him get that win, uh, see him have a big part in, in getting that win. And yeah, with, with Lindsey running well, with McIntyre making the defense look the way it does, Colorado is definitely the best they've been in. I mean, it's got to be since like the Chris Brown, Brian Calhoun days or something. So that's like, throwback. Yeah, that's like 10 or 12 years or something. McIntyre did a great job at San Jose State. He's done it again at Colorado. He's got to be on the short list to, to move up again in a year or two. Yeah, if he, if he wants to, but I, I've kind of enjoyed seeing this Colorado resurgence. I'd like to see him kind of stay there and oh, yeah. uh, have, have another viable uh, team in the Pac-12 with, South. With Montez there, at least, he's got like another year at least viable. But yeah, I just... Given how quickly you know bridges get burned in college football between coaches and programs, I, I can imagine like halfway into next year, it's he'll he'll be a hot name if if they keep this momentum, which is you know the two lost team, and then they lost to Michigan on the road, and what was the other one USC or something? Yes, on so, the road as well. Yeah, so they're 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 looking like you know a legitimate top ten team when no one like I didn't even think they would be ranked this year. Yeah, not, not at all. And if if they were, you know, you would imagine it'd be like, you know, sneaking in at, at 24 or something. You wouldn't yeah. expect them to be a legitimate power. And, you know, among the two lost teams, those are two like the best losses you can have, especially with the way that that USC loss seems to look better every single week. Yeah, definitely. They had a close calls against Stanford and UCLA, but uh, either way, they've they've shown they've got one of the best defenses in the country, which, uh, yeah, just the last thing I would have expected going into this year based on <laughs> their recent track record. Yeah, it's, it's been, it's been a pretty unbelievable ride for them. So, uh, looking forward to their, to their matchup, uh, this weekend, see if they can kind of, uh, remain unscathed after those two, uh, hiccups earlier in the season. And then, uh, last thing that, uh, of the, of the good from last week, just a quick shout out to Wyoming, uh, They've they've beaten the two best teams in the Mountain West now. They they were able to to get the win off of San Diego State, and everyone kind of just assumed because they've heard of San Diego State or they've heard of Donnell Pumphrey that's like, oh, of course it's a foregone conclusion they're going to beat Wyoming. But you know, not not so fast. So Wyoming with wins over Boise State and San Diego State looking really impressive there. They did 
uh, to be fair, lose sixty six to sixty nine to UNLV, but that I, guess... oh, I didn't. I didn't say they make sense at all. Oh no, I... no, sorry, no. I just I, it's <laughs> it's it's uh it's it's all baffling with them to me. Um, yeah, so they they deserve credit, but it's like what what is even happening here? Uh, yeah, they also lost to Eastern Michigan earlier this year. Uh, right. As I got angry about in week two, they managed to they managed to give up like thirty five points to Nebraska in something like seven minutes. Uh, <laughs> so they're, they're just weird, but yeah, they're, I mean, the, the, their quarterback, Josh Allen, I think is a redshirt sophomore. Um, I, I would imagine Tanner Gentry is a, is a senior Brian Hill, I think is a senior. So they've got some people to replace, but generally, um, Craig bowl, I think the coach's name is he's yes. generally got them looking pretty good. And, uh, yeah, he's, he's clearly turned a corner with them and it's, it'll be interesting to see just how much of that momentum they can maintain going forward. Right, yeah, like like you said, that that core group of skill position players it has been, you know, just such a staple of that offense. Brian Hill, especially, and you know, Gentry and Malhart, a couple of really solid players. So that it will be interesting to see how they're able to replace them. Oh my but, bad, I guess I guess Hill is a junior, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went pro after this year, just because he's got three huge seasons already in a row. But yeah, Gentry and like Malhart and Hollister are all gone, unfortunately. Right, so. Like you said, the, the cupboard could be a little bit bare, could be a lot of new faces there next year, but good on them for, for pulling off two of the best wins that you pretty much can in, as far as the Mountain West is concerned. Um, moving on to teams that, that sort of let us down last week, I think, uh, first of all, um, I, don't, I don't know if it can really be topped, except the next next team that we're going to get into actually does top it, but Louisville just completely laying an egg against Houston. Um, I think we kind of learned our lesson that you never bet against Tom Herman when he's when he's an underdog. He's he's got a perfect record at Houston uh, when his team isn't favored. Uh, they seem to just be kind of like these giant killers, you know, that coming up with the win, like the pasting of Oklahoma to start the year, and you know that was coming off of an impressive bowl win over Florida State last year. Um, but still, for Louisville to just get pushed around like that, especially up front, um, was really surprising to me. Yeah, that was bizarre. I, I didn't see much of that game. Mostly, just uh, I guess pretty much all of them were lowlights for Louisville. Uh, but yeah, the, the Houston defense seems quite talented. At, like not just um, a product of Herman's scheming and, and motivational, you know, uh, adeptness, but mm-hmm. they they their unevenness generally. You know, like losing to Southern Methodist big time and and losing to Navy kind of continue to make it look like they're they're very much overachieving and, and because of Herman. So. Uh, he, he's got to be on the way out, right? Like, it looks, uh, there's been a lot of uh, uh, media mention of him in, in Texas being linked. I think that makes a lot of sense because he's he's shown like he, he can make a great product with this school, but not necessarily the one of a of a coach of his ambitions would like to. Uh, and, and in the meantime, there's there's certainly programs that would would pay a lot to get a hold of him. So uh, this this looks like it's about it for him at Houston. They they got a Memphis game that. Some for some reason will probably be tougher for them to win than Louisville was, but right. uh, they should still clean that one up. Uh, we don't even know if Memphis is going to have their quarterback. Last I checked, so uh, yeah, right. should be a strong finish for he, for uh, Herman despite that SMU meltdown a couple weeks ago. Right, I, I just wish it wasn't such a foregone conclusion that that you know kind of this you know I I don't I don't have like a bad bad taste in my mouth about Texas as as a generality, but I, I just wish it wasn't to the point where they're just spoiled and it's like, Oh, of course they're going to get the best, uh, you know, kind of up and coming coaching, uh, type of prospect, uh, that Capitalism there's been in recent be years. It's just like, okay, 
<laughs> it's like okay, yeah, you automat you were terrible for the past three years. Now you get rewarded with with a coach that could be you know making a, a case for being a top five coach in the college football landscape. Uh, you just kind of falls in your lap. I wish it wasn't so easy for Texas to get off the mat like that. Longhorn um, Network. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think, but. You know, like you said, with, with Houston losing a couple games, it, obviously that that knocks them out of the national title consideration. Plus, I thought Houston not getting into the Big Twelve was sort of the final nail in the coffin yeah. as far as uh, Herman staying in Houston for a long time. So I do see him probably ending up in Austin uh, after this season. Uh, but speaking of Texas, they lost to Kansas. Is that? That's Can we just good. talk about that for a second? <laughs> yeah, it uh, doesn't make sense. Uh, I mean, to be fair to Charlie Strong, there was some wacky turnovers. Like, uh, Buchel and uh, and Foreman both had, had turnovers. Uh, I think two fumbles for Foreman, two or three interceptions for Buchel. But that that's uh, that's still crazy that they couldn't put up 24 points on Kansas. So, yeah, that's, uh, like, inexcusable. It seems like Charlie Strong is a guy that everybody likes personally, and that's probably the only reason he hasn't been fired yet. But right. uh, I think his players will play as hard as they can this week, but they, it's it's hard to believe they're prepared or ever have been. Yeah, you got you got to figure that, that they know that this is probably the last time they're going to suit up oh, uh, with Charlie Strong as their head coach. It, it's I mean, like, it was already going to be tough enough for him to hang on to that job after a few of their losses in, in recent weeks. But, I mean, losing to, to a team like Kansas is just a, like an absolute, you know, tragic loss for that program. Like, you can't – How many you, years you has it a been – coach can't bounce back from that. How many years had it been before uh, – since they had won a conference game? Was it like 10 years uh, or something? It, yeah, it's been a couple of years to my knowledge. Um, they, you know, they've been sort of the laughing stock uh, in in recent years in the Big Twelve. Uh, so not uh, since Texas, Mark Mangino had his hands around Todd Reesing's neck has Kansas <laughs> won against a Big Twelve team. Yeah, and, and Akib Talib looking on uh, approvingly. Yep. Um, so yeah, bottom line, Texas, uh, bad on you for for losing to Kansas, but uh, I guess there are better days ahead of for you because you do probably get Tom Herman as a result of, of that. So it, it, it sort of felt like it, it was almost as bad of a loss as like Michigan losing to app state all those years ago, but it was like a power five team. Uh, but it, of similar app sort state of would have won that game against Kansas. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So just bizarre, bizarre stuff. And then uh, one last little disappointment um, that, that sort of gets buried because of the two kind of epic meltdowns from these previous two teams. But Ole Miss got kind of pasted by Vanderbilt. And we saw some of that game as well. Yeah. And uh, you know, I, I I think both of us are in on Shea Patterson moving forward, but I think both of us uh, acknowledge that Ole Miss just like has been kind of out of sorts in a lot of sense this year, uh, and they're really banged up as well. And Vanderbilt playing at home at night definitely got up for that game, probably more so than Ole Miss was anticipating, and they just kind of took it to him. Yeah, Hugh Freeze gets great aggregate number results with his offenses like it it's he's at least a decent coach certainly a good offensive coach to get the production he did out of Bo Wallace a couple of years ago and he could probably do some good things make Mississippi really competitive with Patterson but I just don't know how you can rationalize the return they get on their recruiting capital like losing mm-hmm. to Vanderbilt like that and kind of losing decisively just yeah. doesn't it's it's not one of those things that you do if you're actually good at your job like at best he's average he's quite plausibly below average 
uh, might be the best they can do right now, and they might not want to move on because of you know want to keep developing Patterson in that system. But right. yeah, they, at best they're just kind of like a shootout team. Yeah, it really does seem to be that way. But I think they'll be a competent shootout yeah. team this time next yeah, year because real. Patterson will Patterson's going to be a stud. Um, bottom line there. Um, so moving on to this week, uh, we don't have any games on Wednesday, unfortunately. Um, but Thursday, we are treated to, you know, it, I think it's especially fortunate considering that Indianapolis versus Pittsburgh is going to be going on uh, Thursday night. And there, there there might be a Scott Tolzien sighting. Scott Tolzien. Yeah, so, a huge Tolzien yeah, so fan. Change the channel and watch LSU go into Texas A&M. That'll actually be a fun game Turn to watch. Turn the channel um, to that. I'll change it back to Tolzien. He's, he's a good guy. <laughs> I love Tolzien. Wish him all the best. Scotty T. But um yeah, so we got LSU. LSU I think so too. Uh they're six and a half point favorites. Uh we're not sure if Fournette's gonna be able to play short week. He sort of was just used as a decoy. He wasn't supposed to play last week, um, but ended up suiting up right before the right before kickoff. Uh but was it you could tell he just wasn't himself. So even if he does play tomorrow. Uh, I imagine it'll be very similar to what we saw against Florida. I think it's still going to be the Geist show as far as LSU yeah. is concerned. Do I think that they're basically touchdown favorites over A&M? Well, if, if Hubenak uh, is sidelined, then you know, A&M will officially have hit the rock bottom of, oh, my God, where did all of our quarterbacks go? Uh, because, you know, obviously Kyle Allen, Kenny Hill, um, and, and all the above uh, have gone. Um, but I still, I still think LSU gets this win. Not convinced that they, that they win by by seven, which is what they'd need to do here. Uh, right. What do you think? I guess I, I wouldn't, yeah, take them to cover, but it's it's just that I think Hubenak isn't very good to start with, and yeah. unlike LSU, A and M doesn't have this automatic ground game. Like Travian Williams is really good, and I think they could make I think they could get more out of him, but they mostly just use him as like a, a toss guy and in space misdirection guy. They're not they're not prepared to to let him carry them through the LSU defense, not that he necessarily could, uh, particularly mm-hmm. if there's issues at quarterback. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Geis is pretty close to, to automatic in this setting. So uh, if if it's wh- – whether it's like seven or, th- or three points, I think just depends on kind of like uh, who gets the ball last. Okay. Yeah, I could, I I could see it coming down so to the last like possession. Four points, too. I guess I mean. Um, but yeah, yeah. It, either way, it's like Geis, I, I think, can carry that offense, whereas A&M, I don't think, has any means of carrying itself. That's true. Yeah, and definitely the way that the, the carry distribution breaks down can be a little bit funky as far as A&M is concerned. So we both think LSU gets the close win there, I think. Um, Friday, uh, we have a lot of games, so I'm really looking forward to the day after Thanksgiving. Uh, starting us off here, we got Houston at Memphis, one of the one of the better, more, more marquee matchups you're going to see in the American Athletic Conference. Houston obviously coming off another huge win there uh memphis like you mentioned or alluded to earlier in the podcast ferguson uh, got knocked out of the, his last game so we're not totally sure on his status yet um i think that that's probably why there wasn't a line available yeah, when, exactly. I, when i saw that um but yeah I, I think houston gets the win regardless of whether ferguson plays i think ferguson really is the difference between it being a t- like a total blowout or like a, a respectable game yeah, according to covers, uh, they're listing a line now of four, uh, okay. Houston by four, which I think makes sense. I would take Houston to cover that either way. I just I'm not convinced Memphis is that good of a team. I think I think they got a lot of athletic talent, 
and uh, they they got a lot of speed. But I just I'm not convinced that their quarterback and, and their general identity are, are solid enough to 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 you know not just wilt against that Houston defense, which I think is pretty close to you know automatic and SMU game aside. They they pretty much hold up against anybody, and they they make you make mistakes. And I if Ferguson's been a bit of a mistake liability this year. Not so much lately; like it was more in the beginning of the year, to be right. fair. But I just think Houston's too tough. I think so too. And, and you know, uh, obviously, Houston's got that guy Ed Oliver sort of leading the pack. He's that freshman, the only five star uh, player to ever commit to a non power five school, and right. he's. I mean, he looks every bit. Uh, the five stars that he was given, he he absolutely just wrecked that game for Lamar Jackson. Um, so I, I think Houston gets this win here and gets the cover. Um, moving on, uh, we got NC State at North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina looks like they are eleven point favorites. I don't. Get um, that. I don't. I don't. I don't trust North Carolina with that many points. No, and their defense isn't good. Like it's it's yeah. average at best against the pass, and it's bad against the run. Matt Day's Jalen Samuels should be able to run on this team. Uh, Ryan Finley hasn't put up a lot of touchdowns at quarterback for NC State, but he's been pretty decent in terms of yardage production. Uh, it's just mm-hmm. like the the offense doesn't have much receiver talent, and so they're not good at scoring through the air. They need Days and Samuels to do it, but I don't I don't see why they can't. And they're at least you know eleven points just seems like a, a great deal. Like I, I would I would almost take NC State to cover if it was like seven and a half. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll take NC state to cover, even though, yeah, I do think the Tar Heels win, but I wouldn't even rule out an upset. I don't think the Tar Heels are that good. No, they're not. Um, and they, they can, as, as you, uh, uh, note, uh, with Larry Fedora, he can certainly be out coached, uh, by pretty much anybody. So, uh, I think an upset could be on the table here. I think NC state regardless, uh, makes it a very close game, definitely closer than the 11 points than, than is being given right now. So definitely in on the Wolf Pack on this one. Uh, then we got a little bit of action here, some Friday action. We got Buffalo going to Bowling Green. This is sort of in the similar vein yeah. of the UNC thing, where it's just like, I don't trust Bowling Green with 13 and a half 13 points. 13 and a half. I wouldn't trust them against any FCS team with 13 and a half. And Buffalo is pretty close to an FCS team, don't get me wrong. But right. Jordan Johnson, at least, is playing at a very high level. That guy can right. run. Uh, Bowling Green's defense has been garbage all year. I'll definitely take Buffalo to cover, and I don't. I, if, if I was making the spread on this, it would more likely be three and a half than thirteen and a half. Yeah, that. Did, I mean, I know Buffalo uh, has been pretty pretty bad for most of the season, but I mean, they, they can at least play a little bit of defense. I, I think Bowling Green's offense, uh, Sands, Dino Babbers, and all the talent they had last year uh, is really kind of threadbare. The running um, so, game is going a little better, to be fair. Like Donovan Wilson okay. and Fred Coppett have gotten going. But it's just I I just don't think they can stop Buffalo enough times to get two touchdowns no. on them. Yeah, they're just going to give Jordan Johnson the ball like 20, 26, 27 times. He's going to rack up like 150, 160 hard earned yards. Two hundred if he gets that many carries. It, it's Bowling very Green's possible. Bad. But yeah, no, Bowling Green is that bad on defense actually. So allow me to amend that. I think he has a, a massive game uh, on Friday. Um, then we got Arkansas. Eight-point favorites at Missouri. Uh, Missouri has, has been a pretty sad sack team for most of the year. They, they've shown some flashes of promise earlier in the year. I was really in on Jamon Moore, and I thought that Drew Locke was start, sort of starting to take that next step um, to, to live up to his billing. But uh, Damari Crockett um, for Missouri, who's coming off, I think he set the freshman record for a single game rushing yards for Missouri uh, last week, and he's suspended for this week. So that totally just kind of, 
takes any momentum that Missouri had, in my opinion. So I think Arkansas should be able to go up there and win this one relatively handily. I know that neither of us trust Arkansas a ton, but I think in this context with Missouri just kind of on the downswing to this extent, I think Arkansas can go up there and potentially cover that eight-point spread. Yeah, I would take Arkansas to cover. I think you know Raleigh Williams should have another big game, not five touchdowns, but two or three uh, Devois Whaley's playing at a high level. We all know Arkansas's receivers are very good. Uh, no one even remembers about Jeremy Sprinkle anymore, but he's good too. So I think they, I think Arkansas puts up like 35 on on Missouri. But I think Arkansas's defense is bad enough that Missouri doesn't lose by any worse than you know 10 or 14. Uh, Ish Witter should be able to run, even though he's not nearly as good as Crockett. And uh, right. yeah, Locke, Locke, I think has has like he's he's been inconsistent certainly. Uh, made a lot of progress since last year, though. Um, so oh yeah, I, I he think, was total deer in headlights as a freshman. Yeah, so I think I think they can, you know, put up points on Arkansas. It's just Arkansas might put up like forty plus, like that. It's because Missouri goes up tempo on offense, that means more possessions than usual for Arkansas, who I don't think Missouri can slow in any aspect. No, neither do I. And, and Missouri's uh, lost a couple of their key components to their to their defense. They, they lost uh, their leading tackler, the middle linebacker for the season with an ACL, and they also lost. Uh, Terry Beckner, who's one of the more talented guys that they've gotten in recent years, he was like a top five overall recruit. Uh, he tore his ACL, so that's the second year in a row that uh, his season has ended on that note. So that, that's just a lot of, of firepower missing for Missouri, and they need to be at full strength in order to compete uh, with a team like Arkansas. Yeah. Uh, they can pl- they can at least play with, with pretty much anybody. Um, then we got Boise State going to Air Force. Uh, Boise State, nine-point favorites. I'll take Air sure. Force to cover. Um, I, I Boise think that's wins. a good call. Yeah, Arian yeah. Worthman at quarterback for Air Force has been a beast, like way yeah. better than any quarterback they've had in years and years. Uh, granted, it's only been like two or three games, but it's he's been so atypical for that team. Like I think it's safe to say he's not their usual quarterback. Um, and in the meantime, uh, Brett Rippon is a bit hit or miss. Like he he can put up big numbers, but he can also kind of just not do anything. And being on the road against an Air Force team that's always scrappy at the least I, I, I don't know if that's the setting where you usually get the best out of Ripon. it's usually against pushovers that he usually thrives uh, but yeah mcnichols and, and boise state's just general speed advantage i think wins out but I'm, I'm guessing like seven rather than nine yeah i think oddly enough like Ripon has uh slightly better road splits but i oh, think really? that probably has more to do with uh like he's got a 12 to 1 touchdown to interception ratio on the road but I think that Boise State has played a lot of bad teams on the road this year and played a lot of their tougher games uh, at home. So I think that that split is kind of eye popping, but I think it belies. Or I think uh, his real performance is more in line with what you were saying, where he can be a little bit hit or miss uh, against a, a superior defenses. So I think Air Force does keep this one close, but yeah, the McNichols factor. I mean, the, the guy's just like an alien from outer space it just was brought onto this earth to score touchdowns and, and he's going to continue to do that this week and quietly cedric wilson has basically become as good as a receiver as thomas spurbeck so mm-hmm. uh, yeah boise state has two guys now who can kill you at receiver so they should win it's just i, I think worthman makes makes some nice plays to keep it closer than 10 points yes i, I can definitely see that as well um we got nebraska going to iowa next Ugh. Yeah, I'm looking right now. It looks like Iowa's like a two-point favorite, which seems kind of odd to me. Well, um, it's like, do we know if Armstrong's playing on a bad leg or what? Like, he was um, splitting reps he, with Darlington, who was their third stringer, because Fife is out. 
Um, right. So I, I, I'll take Iowa to win. It, it, you know, if you, it's one of those things that is always like, if you could tell me that uh, Akram Wadley is going to get 20 touches from scrimmage, I'm like, oh, yeah, they'll win. But uh, yeah. my only concern is like maybe they only give them like 12 and somehow screw it up because that's just kind of what they do. Right. Yeah. I was been I was definitely taking a step back this year, but uh Nebraska, you know, they they just sort of haven't lost, you know, much and their their wins have come against really quality teams, but they I've never I've not been particularly impressed with Nebraska at any one point this season and obviously with the Armstrong injury concerns where even if he does play, you imagine he's going to be kind of uh, just kind of gutting it out. Yeah, so basically, I think with convince me here, I think Iowa should be able to pull this off at home. If Armstrong is out or limited, I'm not convinced they run at all on Iowa, and they can't throw the ball either way. And in the mm-hmm. meantime, Nebraska's defense is better than it's been in a while. But I, I just think Wadley has shown he can run on anybody. So yeah, I, he, I, he had a huge game against Michigan. Yeah, so if they if they just give Wadley the ball, which I, I, maybe Ference is at least smart enough to notice, like even even if he has this this weird. Uh, hang up about his size it's like he at least knows he's the most effective one so maybe they'll give him the ball in more competitive situations but yeah if they they give 20 carries to daniels they're they're liable to screw it up right exactly um and then uh, yeah i think iowa should if they give if they feed widely they should have it together uh then we got tcu going to texas um texas looks like a slight favorite here uh looks as of espn they got a uh, Texas said as three point favorites at home. I, it just feels weird that that they can lose to Kansas and then be favored the next week against a team that's better than Kansas. I guess it's just because Kenny Hill hasn't played well in like six weeks. And mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I still think TCU is going to be the more prepared team, and they at least have. Uh, I mean, Kyle Hicks is. I think in this context can match Foreman. Like Foreman's got a, the worst matchup between the two. Uh, right. It's it, Turpin's been back lately. He he's probably going to be a little better this week than he was any of the past weeks. So yeah, I I think TCU wins, but uh, there will be that one variable of I I think the players for Texas are going to be playing very unusually hard because as bad of a head coach as he might be for Texas, like the players there seem to love Charlie Strong. That's true. That is the point, and, and you know if this is their last game, or you know they can get bowl eligibility if they're able to pull off the win this week. So yeah. maybe they're going to be pushing for that, pushing for one more game. Uh, so I could see where Texas definitely comes out on fire, but I, I just feel like TCU uh, has played a little bit better overall. Like they, they were a mess in like mid October, but they've looked a little bit better in recent weeks. It's yeah, Patterson is not the coach you want to be going against when you're in your win or don't go to a bowl game scenario. Like right. there's, there's a lot of scenarios where that is enough to like get you in because the other team just cannot match your intensity. But like whatever it, whatever intensity advantage Texas might have, TCU is going to have something similar or greater in, in scheming and in, in general tactics advantage. So I I got to go with TCU. But yeah, if, if if somehow Texas does win, it's it's obviously because Freeman Foreman ran nuts. And uh, exactly. that's that's something that I'm just a little concerned might not happen against Gary Patterson, who I think is willing to sell out against Foreman uh, because he's not afraid of the Texas passing game. Yeah, and I, I don't know why you would be at this point. I mean, as good as I think Bouchelle could be down the line, um, I don't think he has that great of an arm. And I think that he showed to be a little bit mistake prone, and uh, especially against Kansas, he threw – uh, some pretty ill-advised looking interceptions in my opinion so uh, I think TCU should be able to like you said 
Uh, if they just key in on stopping Foreman and by stopping Foreman, you know, just prevent him from going over 200 yards, basically, yeah. um, you know, they, they, they should be able to fluster uh, the heck out of Shane Bouchelle. And I think they should be able to pull off the win uh, down there. And I think you brought up a great point about Gary Patterson uh, being able to match that intensity on the field. So I think we both like the Horn Frogs there. Uh, then we got the Apple Cup, which is one of the games I'm really, really looking forward to this weekend, maybe the most. Um, we got Washington six-point favorites on the road at Washington State team that, that's Six coming points. off a pretty tough loss. Yes, I'll, I'll I'll take Washington by like thirteen and a half. Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't think I don't think this is I think this is a really bad setup for Washington State. Like I know people are high on Falk, but I I think he's basically like every other Washington State quarterback we've seen, and uh, the receivers are lacking this year. Uh, like Marks is having one of his worst years. He might be having the worst year of his career. Uh, yeah, think, as a senior, and he. He dropped at least two touchdowns last week from what I saw. Yeah, and, and and don't get me wrong. I mean, Washington State's running backs are better than they've ever been, so they have that wrinkle. But uh, the defense isn't good enough, I don't think, to stand up to Washington's offense. And I, in the meantime, it's just easy to imagine, I think, the, the Washington defense making Falk have the worst game of the season. Then. Yeah, I could definitely see that as well. And, and you know, Washington State, uh, they, they got beat, you know, on the ground in that – last week I thought and that was sort of one thing that was a little bit understated about them is how good their run defense had been uh heading into last week but Colorado was still able to to gain some momentum on the ground so uh Washington doesn't necessarily need to lean only on on those receivers and Jake Browning to get this win or to put up points on Washington State um and you know if they just ride Miles Gaskin like they they can certainly uh beat Washington State that way and possess the ball keep the ball you know, out of Luke Falk's hands. So I like that element to this game as far as Washington's favor. Uh, obviously, this game, I think, is is basically to decide uh, the Pac-12 North. I think Washington's got its eyes on, on not screwing up so they can, you know, potentially uh, get that playoff bid. You know, potentially, that's, that's a, a whole different other uh, scenario there. But uh, I do think that Washington should be able to get the win. Um, the four and zero against the spread on the road this year, I guess. So, Ooh, uh, I like that. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely like them to win by at least six. Like, I, I just don't think Washington State is even in the same class as them. Okay, I think I, I, maybe I was drinking the Kool Aid a little bit too much on Washington State coming into last week. I sort of had an inkling that they would be able to win, but they sort of fell apart late. So I was, I was wrong there, and uh, I think you know a Chris Peterson coach team is going to be laser focused. Uh, I think they're going to be able to go up there uh, and, and get the victory. Um, then we got Louisiana Tech at Southern Miss. Uh, it doesn't um, matter if Nick or uh, what, Nick, Nick Mullins. Mullins. Doesn't matter if he's playing. I'm guessing he is because there's a lineup uh, 14. That's to be fair. That's a lot of points. But Tech is going to kill these guys. Uh, I yeah. I think I would take Tech to cover, even though 14 is a lot on the road. They're just Tech. Tech is is closer to a team like South Florida than they are like your average co- conference USA style team as far as like right. outside of Power Five Titans go. Uh, they're they're absolutely a tough team and uh, Carlos Henderson, Trent Taylor, uh, Jerry Kraft, Higgins they they're going to kill that defense. Exactly that that is that is about as fun of an offense as there is to watch right now. So I'm definitely down to to check that game out later in the day. I think Louisiana Tech. Uh, should be able to kind of blow past Southern Miss, who's been a little bit disappointing this season, in my opinion. Um, then we got arguably the biggest game uh, that the MAC has had in quite some time. 
A little bit surprised by this line, honestly. Uh, We got Western Michigan, uh, nine-and-a-half-point favorites at Toledo. And Toledo's been a very good team so far this year. I mean, or not so far. I mean, all season long, they've been very solid. So I think they give Western Michigan a really tough test this week. What do you think? I would actually take Western Michigan to cover just because they they just are quite intimidating right now. Uh, yep. Toledo is a good team, but they've they've not really beaten many good ones. Uh, like they lost by two points to BYU. Uh, they they lost to Ohio. They only beat uh, Northern Illinois by a touchdown a couple weeks ago, and I saw a lot of that game. And granted, yes. it, it might have just been a little bit of a wacky game. Obviously, the weather is getting a little worse this time of the year, and they've been living through the past, uh, particularly this year. So m- maybe that's why they're dragging a bit at this point. Kareem Hunt can run the ball, obviously, so it's not like Toledo Lex for that. It's just that the Washington, or the, the Western Michigan defense is so much better than Toledo's. Um, like they've, they've only allowed uh, 10 passing touchdowns this year in 11 games. They've, they've been a little bit more vulnerable on the run, but uh, it just, I, I don't, I don't know that. Um, I just don't know that it, like the Toledo running game is, is good enough. Uh, it, like if, if Western Michigan is selling out to try to c- contain like Cody Thompson, John Via Johnson, then yeah, I think, I think Toledo can run in that case. But I think it would be like right. to their own detriment, like like losing more clock than they are gaining, uh, you know, like scoring uh, probability. True. So I I think I think Western Michigan is, is a titan. Like they they're I think pretty clearly the best team in that conference. Uh, if if they if Toledo does cover, it's definitely because Johnson and Thompson get loose deep a couple times, uh, and that that could happen. Um, but I just I just think Western Michigan is it's in its own class, and they've they've been recruiting in ways that that the MAC has never seen before. It's, it's right. showing in their defense, and, and they've, they've just got so many people who can produce on offense, too. Like, Corey Davis is going to have a huge game. I think I have him ranked right. first this week at the position. Uh, but, yeah, they got, they got like, four running backs who are starting quality. I, I think they just, they just got too much. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. They, they just do, at the end of the day, have, have more firepower. I just I've, – I've kind of liked how Toledo's played throughout the season, even though yeah. they, they've had a couple underwhelming performances. I think that they're going to be able to make it close. I think this – you know, oddly enough, you know this is a game that Western Michigan knows it has to win. Um, but I could see, I could see the jitters kind of maybe getting to them a little bit, and I could see Toledo making it at least uncomfortable for them, especially with the game being played at Toledo. So, I'll I'll differ a little bit this uh, from you on this one. I, I could totally see the scenario where Western Michigan, you know, just kind of comes out and plays like they have all year and is able to to get a double digit victory. But I also I think at the Bottom line for me, I think Toledo's going to be able to make it close as sort of like Western Michigan's last hurdle before uh, bowl season. Yeah, fair um, enough. I just, I, I guess the way I, I see Western Michigan covering is is because Toledo scores through the air, and and that's that's where Western Michigan is not vulnerable. So, uh, it, Kareem Hunt's a senior. Maybe maybe he has a, a Hulk game here. I, I think that's basically what it would take. Uh, and yeah, it's st- still then they would need a lot from Thompson or Johnson. I think from the, through the air, and it's. Uh, I think asking a bit much, but yeah, Toledo is definitely a, a, a really good team. Yeah. Okay. And then moving on our last game for Friday's slate, uh, we got Baylor five and a half point favorites at Texas tech. This is a disgusting matchup that yeah, I, I don't who really know who what to make seen all one. of this. Uh, yeah. I mean, Zach Smith seemed pretty encouraging. I think last week it wasn't, a, it wasn't an easy matchup going against Kansas state. They have uh, maybe like the second best defense in that conference. Probably. So, yeah. 
Yeah, and he he wasn't getting much help from his teammates. In this one, I, I think I will take Baylor to win and cover just because I think uh, even, even without the, the extracurricular controversies, uh, I think Cliff Kingsbury is, is has about as much dysfunction around him as, as Grobe does at Baylor. Uh, I think mm-hmm. te- I think Texas Tech is at as a uh, major very much on quit watch if if they didn't already do it last week against Iowa State like they they might just bail yeah, on this coach. Wrecked. I don't think Kingsbury is liked around there. Uh yeah, Mahomes I don't understand how he has a game like last week, but it's like Baylor's defense is pretty decent, certainly better than Iowa State's uh, or at least through the air it's it's pretty decent. So yeah, Mahomes might not have a good game uh, for the second week in a row and in the meantime Texas Tech's defense will lay down against anybody. So Anybody. I think Shock Linwood has a huge game, the best game of his season, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. Michael Hasty probably gets into uh, like pretty much everybody on the Baylor offense. Actually, I think I think Smith does well. I think Zamora, Cannon, both go off. So uh, yeah, I, I actually can see Baylor winning this one by like two touchdowns or something. Yeah, I think I think so as well. And you bring up the good point that Mahomes seems to be in a little bit of a funk, and it, and if he's in a funk. I mean, he's really the only hope that Texas Tech has of, nothing else. of, 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 ha- of hanging in with a team like Baylor uh, that's, you know, relatively balanced across the board in, in terms of ways that they can beat you. Um, so Texas, so if Mahomes doesn't bring it again this week, which I could totally see happening, I just don't don't really know what's going on with him. Obviously, he uh, sprained his throwing shoulder earlier in the season, but he's put up some, some big games uh, since then. But like you said, Texas Tech really slumping right now. That was about as bad of a loss as I've seen from them uh, in quite some time. Yeah, just absolutely getting getting murked by by Iowa State. I, I don't see how that happens. So I think Baylor can probably roll away with this one pretty easily. I think they, they definitely hit that five-and-a-half-point spread. Um, moving on to Saturday's games, um, we got Virginia going to Virginia Tech. Uh, the only reason I, I listed this one is: Do you do you think that Virginia Tech is capable of of covering a, a spread that's sitting at eighteen and a half right now? I think so. I know they've been slumping a bit lately, but I don't think Virginia's defense is very good, and they're not they're not exactly exactly up tempo, but they're a little bit more higher tempo than average. So I think you can give Virginia Tech a projection of like five or six more plays than usual. Uh, I okay. think Evans has a huge game. I feel like Isaiah Ford and, and Bucky Hodges are both going to show up in this one because I think it's both of their last regular season games, therefore right. last home games uh, as Hokies. So they've, they've been slumping a bit lately too, but uh, they're both good players. I think it's more Fuente's spread the ball scheme that's dictated their, their disappointing box scores lately. But I think, they, I think those three guys, Evans, Ford, Hodges, they torch in this game, and I think they cover by that uh, fact. I think so too, and I think this is a situation where uh, Fuente can definitely curry the favor of of the Virginia Tech fan base if he kind of puts it on Virginia. Because you know, I live around here. Uh, I know a lot of people that have gone to both schools, and it, it's definitely a pretty heated rivalry. So I think uh, Fuente is going to want to you know uh, put on and impress for for his new school, and uh, I think Virginia Tech probably wants to come out and, and blow out Virginia, especially when with Virginia on the downswing that they're on right now. So I could definitely see where where Tech really puts it on them and wins by you know close to three touchdowns. Um, let's see, we got Georgia hosting Georgia Tech. Georgia four point favorites. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? I'll take Georgia to cover. Obviously, Marcus Marshall's running pretty well for Tech, but um, this they're is getting just, uh, this they're is... getting Mills back as well this week from a suspension. Oh yeah, I mean either way though, I just I just feel like their running game isn't going to match Chubb and Michelle in this one. 
And mm-hmm. in the meantime, I, Eason's been doing a little better lately, right? So yeah, he, uh, yeah, he's starting to click. Yeah, so at least because he's at home, I think he doesn't hurt them in this one. And in the meantime, I don't think Georgia Tech's defense is built to stop Chubb and Michelle or uh, Harrion if he's if he's available. So I'll I'll take Georgia to win uh, just because it's a rivalry game. It's not going to be by seven plus, and just because it's Georgia Tech, it's probably not going to be by seven plus. But um, I I do think they they cover four. Yeah, Georgia uh, for for all their awards this year uh, that. They, they've shown an ability to kind of win ugly at times, and uh, a game against Georgia Tech always turns out to be pretty pretty hard to watch if yeah, you're not, not watching. I would never team. watch off Georgia Yeah, I can't blame you for that one, but I think Georgia is able to win ugly here. I think, like you said, uh, that, that combination of Chubb and Michelle, I think Chubb looked really good last week, probably the best he's looked uh, since maybe the South Carolina game or even going back further to the season opener yeah. against North Carolina. So it looks like he's back on track. Uh, which is definitely a huge issue if you're Georgia Tech. Um, so I think Georgia is able to get the cover uh, in that one. Then moving on, we got the Egg Bowl here. We got Ole Miss, eight-and-a-half-point favorites against Miss State. This is kind of an interesting game in its own right as well, sort of uh, wonky on, bo- on both sides here because obviously, like we talked about earlier with Ole Miss, uh, they just got uh, beat down pretty pretty you know handily by Vanderbilt. But Miss State has shown an ability to get uh, the crap beat out of them as well. Yeah, that just seems like a lot of points for a Mississippi yes. team whose defense has been really bad. And um, it doesn't make any sense to me how Fitzgerald's putting up the numbers he is on the ground, but he's doing it. I don't know why Mississippi would be better suited to stopping that than the teams he's already torn apart. Uh, Fred Ross gives them a bit of like an automatic element to the passing game, even though Fitzgerald isn't good at throwing the ball. So I'll, I guess I got to take Mississippi State to cover because I think these are two bad coaches. Um, I think these both of these teams are prone to underachieving. I guess maybe you take that as like, well, then the home team underachieves uh, less or doesn't underachieve at all. So that's how they cover. But that's just more points than I would like for for that question. Yeah, I definitely don't trust Ole Miss with, with that many points. Uh, certainly not yet. And uh, that Mississippi State team. Like you said with Fitzgerald, he's so dangerous on the ground. I think that he's able to keep that one close. Uh, so I do think that uh, the Bulldogs do get the cover in this one. Uh, moving on, we got huge line here. Um, we got Notre Dame, 17.5-point underdogs uh, at USC. I, I, don't, I, don't, I feel a little uneasy about that spread, but I guess I got to take it because Notre Dame just doesn't look very good right now. Brian Kelly... Uh, it's going to be our coach in week one next year. Uh, that was, that's, that seems like a long time ago. Yeah, it's uh, being it's certainly being put to the test. I mean, the, their meltdown at home against Virginia tech last week, that might, uh, that might change some things. I think, you know, Brian Kelly could certainly be on the hot seat. Couldn't happen to a better guy. Um, uh, but yeah, I'll, I'll take USC to cover because their, their defense is going to make it hard on everybody. They play obviously and in, in the Darnold factor, uh, at home. It's he, he's just so good. He, it's it's hard. It's hard to put a, a value on just how good he is. But I think he's one of like the best five quarterbacks in the country right now. Absolutely. And, you know, we're only like, what, seven or eight starts into his career. So yeah. next year with the with this year under his belt, it's going to be even better. So really looking forward to that. That USC team uh, looks like USC is back. And I think Las Vegas kind of agrees with that sentiment. I think they they have USC like in their like sort of power rankings is the third best team in the country right now as far as how they're playing. Uh, I think if we have the Notre Dame quit factor moved in here against a USC team that's thriving, 
Um, I think that USC really uh, – this gets really out of hand for Notre Dame this weekend. I think USC rolls. Yeah, yeah, I'll take them to cover. Okay, and then moving on to our usual neck of the woods in Madison, we got Minnesota uh, coming to Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin, 14.5-point favorites. I, I feel like that's I a don't loss. Think Wisconsin can – yeah, I don't – I'd go with Minnesota there to cover. Yeah, I, f- I think Wisconsin wins by like – I don't know, four to, to seven or something like that. Uh, Basically. Yeah. <laughs> Cause Wisconsin's passing game isn't reliable enough to against a defense of Minnesota's quality to, to just generate that much of a gap. I don't think like, I don't think Wisconsin leads by 15 or more at any point, uh, no. let alone holding on to it if they do. Yeah. That, that's, that's how I feel about it as well. I just don't think, I think Wisconsin's, you know the the strength of their of their offense is running the ball, so that that means you know not a ton of plays. The clock's going to be running like the entire time because you know the combination of of Hornibrook and Houston uh, is extremely underwhelming. So you you don't fear them uh, being able to quick strike, put up points, really sort of build it an insurmountable lead um, against the against the Gophers. I think the Gophers can hang with them just enough. Um, to, to you know to to get this within the 14 and a half points that we're looking for here so I, I I'll take Minnesota to cover this one um then moving on we got South Carolina going to Clemson uh Clemson 24 point favorites that you know that's that's a ton and South Carolina you know for for their issues uh they've played a little bit better in recent weeks what do you what do you think about this one they've got some promising young talent on offense like Bentley quarterback Riku yep. Dowdle uh, Debo Samuel's shown he's pretty good. Uh, Brian Edwards is good, but uh, I, I'll take Clemson to, I guess, cover because since it's that rivalry game, they're going to take it seriously, and their talent advantage I think is pretty enormous in the bigger picture. So right. uh, yeah, it's like I would I would take Clemson like playing mostly backups to win by like fourteen. So uh, with, with with Watson ending his career on, on presumably an aggressive note, I, I think that bodes poorly for Carolina's ability to uh, not get embarrassed yeah I, th- I think that that's a, those are all totally valid points that, that I agree with um, I just think that oddly enough the Clemson team from last year was better than the one this year and I think South Carolina was quantifiably a bigger dumpster fire last year uh, than it is right now and South Carolina kind of made that game a little made Clemson sweat a little bit um, I think that, that the rivalry uh, factored into that, and it was in Columbia, which certainly uh, kind of helped South Carolina uh, a little bit there. I think that you know, and it keeps burning me because I still just keep saying that I'm not a huge believer in Clem in this Clemson team. Um, I think that South Carolina uh, can keep it, you know, under 24. I, th- I think that 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 spread is big enough to where I consider I consider South Carolina just uh, just because I just feel like Clemson. Uh, can definitely underwhelm at times. Yeah, that's that's all totally fair, and the, the rivalry aspect could just as easily work against Clemson, obviously. Sure. Um, so, I guess bottom line, you you like Clemson to cover that. I, I'll take South Carolina to cover that one, but uh, I still think, regardless, Clemson wins by double digits. I just I'm yeah, not yeah. sure that it's 24. Um, then wrapping us up for this part of the of the games, uh, we got Florida at Florida State. Florida State seven and a half point favorites. Uh, how do you see this one shaking out? Feels like a lot of points given Florida's defense, but I just I, I think you need to be able to throw the ball a little bit 
against Florida State, especially is this actually at Florida State? Like it's in Tallahassee. I believe so. Yes. Okay, I'll take Florida State to cover. I just I feel like there's too big of a gap between the quarterback play of the two teams, um, and and even running back. Really, it's like with those two things against you. Uh, having the better defense like Florida, I'm not sure matters as much as like the field position that they might surrender by their offense being so far behind the opponents. Yeah, and you know we we got a guy in Austin Appleby who kind of uh, in, a, in a sort of an anomaly threw a 98 yard touchdown last week that you know definitely wasn't all him, and I think it was like the lo- maybe the longest play from scrimmage in Tiger Stadium like ever. Um, as far as far as an opposing team is concerned, at least. Uh, so maybe that maybe if you look at the box score, you're like, oh, he was able to, to do this against LSU. Well, maybe maybe they'll be fine against Florida State. I'm not buying that. Uh, another road game for Florida here. I just don't trust Austin Appleby. Like you said, I think the quarter get, quarterback gap uh, here is sort of the deciding factor for me. And Florida's just really banged up defensively. I think their ability to, to win that game last week was really impressive because of like just the sheer attrition that they've had. But I think it could be a thing where they kind of burned all their matches on that one. And I think Florida State's going to be ready. They're going to come to play. And I think they're going to be able to beat Florida by, by that seven and a half uh, point spread. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay. And then moving on, we got three of the biggest games of the week. Um, starting us off with the Iron Bowl. Uh, a lot of question marks, uh, especially on Auburn's side of here, and I think that helps explain why Bama is 17-point favorites. Um, Bama covers. That's, uh, yeah, that, <laughs> we can just kind of end the discussion there, honestly, but uh, I just wanted to say that that you know Cam Petway is supposed to be back, but Gus Malzahn sort of alluded to the idea that he's probably not going to be at 100% yet, the, you know, the nagging quad injury that's kept him out the last couple of weeks. And when, uh, we're still not sure if Sean White uh, is going to play yet right. either. And that, that's even if he does, it. though, even if he does, they're not going to mm-hmm. throw the ball in Alabama. And when you can't throw the ball in Alabama, they can stop any running back. Like, I think they could stop most, you know, NFL offensive lines and running backs if they, they were just, like, playing with no passing game to worry about. So, yeah, Pet, Pet and Johnson. LSU look dumb every single year right. with Fournette. exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, Alabama covers like it, it might be 17 to nothing, but they cover. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think so, too. I think that they should have that one in the bag. Um, looking forward to this next one a lot as well. We got Michigan going to Ohio State. Uh, Michigan might have Wilton Spate uh, back. We're, we're not totally sure. I know he was taking some reps in practice and he, he was able to warm up last week a little bit they, uh, uh, on the side, which kind of bodes well for for maybe his availability because yeah, I know one thing for sure. And if you weren't sure, I mean, you were on in on this too. Um, if John O'Corn is starting for Michigan, this gets ugly. In a yeah, hurry. he's bad. Yeah. He, he shouldn't even be, he, he like, I don't think is capable of starting like over Xander diamond. So uh, <laughs> let alone like a Michigan team. Um, but yeah, it's six and a half still feels like a lot because both of these offenses are playing poorly right now. And it's True. just, I think this might be about as gross of a game uh, as like Auburn, Alabama, or even like Georgia, Georgia tech. So <laughs> um, I do think being at Ohio state, JT Barrett playing in this game means Ohio state wins, but I, I don't feel comfortable calling it by a touchdown. I think it's by like three or one or something. Okay, I think that that's a good way of looking at it. I, I think I would consider Ohio State by the touchdown if O'Corn is starting for yeah, Michigan. That's fair. But, but uh, if if it's Spate back there, then I, I, I yeah, I definitely wouldn't go 
uh, with Ohio State to cover a spread uh, of that size. They're just going to have um, Peppers play quarterback. It doesn't matter. Honestly, they, they really should just Might do well. that. And, and Devion Smith looked amazing last week when they, when they kind of needed – they needed a run game. They needed a, a bell cow, and he sort of answered it. And I think he ran for the most yards he ever uh, he ever has in his career. Obviously, that's against an Indiana defense that's not quite up to snuff uh, compared to a team like Ohio State. But uh, he's probably going to get the ball a good bit, uh, regardless of who's playing quarterback. Just because if Spite's playing, it's going to be at least a little bit limited. But in any case, still think Ohio State gets the win here. I think it just is a little bit un- closer and more uncomfortable if Spade is playing. Um, moving on to our last game of the week here, uh, we got Utah going to Colorado. Big-time Pac-12 South matchup. Colorado 10-point favorites over over Utah. Obviously, Utah coming off that, that really kind of head-scratching loss to Oregon last week that I think both of us are still trying to understand how exactly that happened. Um, but in any case... Uh, here we are. We got Colorado 10-point favorites. How do you see this one going? I like Colorado, but that's too many points for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll take Utah to cover. I'll, I'll take Colorado to win, but it's like even – like for me, the spread should be something like two and a half. I think so too. Even even with it you know, being at Colorado and Colorado having momentum on its side compared to Utah, I still think that Utah plays a type of style where they're not going to get uh, the, the blowout type of 10, 10 or more point loss – uh, to anybody in in, uh, in that division, probably except maybe USC. Yeah, and I'll take Joe Williams as the best player in this game generally. So mm-hmm. it's like that's at, I mean Utah doesn't have a passing game to speak of, but right. uh, Williams could could carry them close to a victory. I think. Yeah, I, th- I think so as well. He's really been uh, just kind of unbelievable since coming out of retirement. Um, but I think that about wraps us up for the week here. Um, uh, again, I hope everybody out there listening has a good Thanksgiving. Enjoy this uh, final week of the of the real regular season. There will be a handful of odd games next week. But, um, yeah, this is this is going to be a great weekend in college football, so sit back and enjoy it. Uh, thanks again for Mario Puig. I'm John McKechnie, and this was the Wednesday Rotowire Football Podcast. They're going to kill the love of my life Daisy! if I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain for love. Collide in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13. Maybe inappropriate for children under 13.